Hi, I'm RJ Baxter with realestatetalkdenver.com and I'm here today with Molly Zwerdlinger and Molly is a um, estate planning attorney and probate attorney. And I'm with Miller and Steyer down in Littleton. Okay, and um, she's joining us today to talk a little bit more about how real estate, or what happens to real estate when someone owns real estate upon their death. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna touch on that topic here a little bit. But first of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself besides what you do. Sure, so besides being an estate planning and probate attorney, I'm going to be a new mom. I'm also a fourth generation Denver native, which I'm very proud of. Went to CSU for undergraduate, big Rams fan, so go Rams. And I received my jurisprudence doctorate from the University of Denver. Okay, awesome, four generations, wow. Four generations, my family owned a grocery store in Denver before it was even Denver. <laughs> so, no kidding, mm -hmm. wow. So your family's seen a lot of changes around town. We've seen a lot of changes, some good, some bad. Yeah. What do you think about this real estate market we're experiencing right now? You know, the real estate market in Denver is out of control and it's great to get new people, new blood in the city, but the traffic is like I've never seen before. Yeah, it is crazy. Even I've been here 18 years and even since I've moved here, it's gotten a lot worse on the traffic. Yes, it has. And people are moving further and further away from the city. When I was young, Parker was horse land. No one ever lived out in Parker and now it's no big deal for people to drive to and from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Crazy. Um, well, so, so you talk to people all the time about what to do with real estate, how to handle it as far as planning for their death. And, um, you know, let, let's start off with, I'm just curious what kinds of questions people ask you, ask you about this. What kinds of things do you deal with? So the most common question I get is how is my property going to transfer at my death? There's a lot uh -huh. of misconceptions out there about how real estate specifically will transfer. So I would like to focus just on real estate today and even more specifically into real estate ownership in an individual's name alone. Mm -hmm. So there's different kinds of ownership of property. So let's just focus on the individual itself. Okay. So the most typical question I get is how is this gonna transfer when I die? And if you own real estate in your name alone, and this is true in almost every other state as well, but specifically for Colorado, since I'm licensed here, mm -hmm. if you own real estate in your name alone and you die, the only way to transfer that real estate is through a court process called probate. Most people don't like it because there's a court that will be involved, which always typically means stress, it's time consuming and there's cost mm -hmm. associated with it, but it's the only way we're gonna get that property to transfer. And the purpose of this court process is to take the asset out of the name of the decedent, so that's the person who's died, okay. and we transfer it to the appropriate people who are living. And who those people are depends on whether or not you have an estate plan that says where those assets go. If there is no estate plan, the majority of us don't have one. But if you don't have one, there are default rules in Colorado on where the house will go if you have no beneficiary in place. Okay, so even if you have an estate plan, it'll still go to probate? Is that's that what you mean? correct. So that's a huge misconception about estate planning and real estate is, well, if I have a will or if I have a trust, I don't go through probate. It's actually the opposite. A will goes through probate. It tells the judge where mm. to transfer the asset to. Okay. What triggers the probate process is not whether or not you have a will, it's whether or not you have real estate in your name alone. Okay, so no matter, so no matter who it is, you go to probate and then the probate uh, process decides who the property passes to. That's exactly right. So if we are triggering probate because a person dies with real estate in their name alone, the will tells the judge, it tells us where to transfer the asset. And again, if there's no will, then the default rules will tell us where the asset should go. 
Okay, so how do the default rules work? How does the judge determine it if they don't have a will? So there are rules that we call intestacy rules. So if you die without a will, you die intestate. So the intestacy rules apply. And lucky for us, the state of Colorado has those default rules. They're going to assume that we all want the same thing because there's no other way to do it. Uh-huh. And of course, there's exceptions to everything. I'm a lawyer, we draft laws, and we always make exceptions to everything. But generally speaking, the rules of intestacy say if you have no estate plan, everything that you own goes to your spouse or your partner in a civil union. We still have civil unions in Colorado, so if you have a partner, it will go either to your spouse or your partner. There, again, there's always some exceptions out there. And then we kind of go down the family tree from there. So if you don't have a spouse or a partner, it goes down to what we call your issue. And that phrase gets me every time because it's the phrase we use for descendants. Your children are your issue. Okay. So we go down the <laughs> family tree. It's a very interesting term to use, but it's the legal jargon that we have for descendants. Okay. So it goes to your issue first. And then if there's no one down the family tree, no spouse, we go back up the family tree to, to parents. If you have no parents, we go down to siblings, no siblings, then nieces and nephews, and we kind of go down from there until we find the first living relative. This is how Joe Schmo in the middle of nowhere inherits $30 million from someone he had no idea he was related to is because of a law Mm, like this. Okay, so there is kind of a definition or an outline of how to do it, so the judges just can't say that whoever they decide gets it. (laughs) Right, the judge doesn't just make up where it should go, and quite frankly, the judge doesn't have the time to review each individual situation, which is why we have the default rules. So every state has a similar law, and we go down and follow who the the beneficiaries are in line according to the law. Okay, so let's say someone doesn't have any family. Mm -hmm. What happens in that case? So it's a great question. I've never actually had that happen, but there is a rule for what is to happen to the asset, the real estate, if it's going through probate or any asset going through probate. If we cannot find anybody, (coughs) and these statutes go on for pages, we will try to find everybody and anybody we can. We'll hire private investigators if needed. So I've never had it happen where we don't find a relative, but if there isn't a relative, we have to give the asset somewhere, and the state of Colorado is happy to take it. It's called S-cheating to the state. I love that the word cheat is in there. Right. (laughs) But the asset S-cheats to the state, so the state of Colorado will take it if we cannot find anybody. Okay, interesting. So then what's, let's say that someone goes into probate and they, um, one, one of their relatives disagrees with the decision or mm-hmm. they think that they should get the property. This can, never can, happens. I, I'm sure not ever. <laughs> how, does that, how, is that, or how does that play out? So it depends on the individual situation and what they're contesting, what they're fighting over. I'll tell you, I typically don't touch litigation with a 10-foot pole. I have a litigator in my office that I work with for probate litigation. Um, I typically handle non-contested matters, but it certainly does come up where individuals want to contest something, and there are procedures in place for that. So Colorado law addresses every possible procedural scenario where somebody wants to contest something. And it's typically they'll file a motion or some other document Mm -hmm. with the judge inside of the probate saying that there's an issue. Either they're unhappy with who's administering the estate, they're unhappy with what the will says, maybe they think the person who died was under undue influence when they executed or drunk or being forced to sign it. So there are procedures in place in the event something like that happens. Okay, interesting. So how long does the probate process take? It also depends, that's my famous lawyer answer for everything, is that it depends. <laughs> right. Probate in Colorado is required to at least be open for six months. So when I say probate needs to be opened, all that means is the case number needs to be active for six months. So if we can f- need to file something, we have a case number to do it. 
I will tell you probates almost never close within six months. That is a minimum time that they're required to be open. An average probate, even if we're just dealing with a small piece of real estate, on average takes about a year. And some probates can last for several years. You look at someone like Michael Jackson's estate and his probate was open for years because there were a lot of issues that needed to be addressed. So why does it take so long? um, If you have a simple case where there's just one house and maybe a little bit of in assets um, besides the house, why does it take so long? The purpose of probate seems simple. It's to take the asset out of the decedent's name and to give it to the appropriate people. But at the same time that we're transferring the asset, we also have to deal with creditors and resolve any other disputes among the family if they arise. Mm. So there are procedural requirements, whether this is a $100,000 state or a $100 million state, and the requirements are gonna be the same. So even if it's a small piece of real estate, the requirements inside of probate don't change. So for example, we have to notify creditors. We have to do an inventory. We have to keep an accounting. There's a lot of things that are required inside of the process, and all of that takes time. Okay, interesting. So you do um, estate planning for people. I do. So that they can plan for this. Yes. What does that involve? What, what does that process look like for people? Sure. So avoiding probate is not necessarily my main focus when I do estate planning, but it's certainly part of the conversation. As you can tell from our discussion about probate, it doesn't sound like the most fascinating and fun thing to be going through, right. and it really isn't. In Colorado, it's not the end of the world. If we were in other states, I'd say we should avoid probate at all costs, like New York or California. Their procedures are much more complicated and a lot more expensive. Mm. In Colorado, it's not horrible. So that's part of the conversation I have with my clients is do we want to avoid probate through the estate plan or not? And it's not really my job to tell them they should avoid probate, but I do cover all the options with them and say this type of plan will avoid probate, this type won't. And in some scenarios, we may want to go through probate. So what would that look like? Mm. For example, if I have a client who has maybe six or seven children and they all despise each other and we know that there's going to be fighting, probate's not a bad thing because a judge will be overseeing everything that's happening. And so in some scenarios, we may want to actually go through probate. And that's all part of the conversation I have with my clients. And Typically, when we're discussing avoiding this court process, the question comes down to do we need a will or do we need a trust? That's always the question. Okay, interesting. So if, if they don't go into probate and it, it could be an ugly situation, then it mm-hmm. could, could get ugly because of the fact that there's not a judge involved. That's exactly that right, because then the family's gonna try to resolve these issues among themselves or they're gonna institute litigation anyway. Okay, but there's no families like that, right? Don't, never don't happens. All, all families get I don't along. Know what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. You probably never deal with that. Never. It does happen actually quite often. I'm sure. So. I'm sure. There's probably disputes, and then they question what the person wanted. Exactly. And part of my job is to make sure that we can foresee that happening. So if I, I will always ask people about their beneficiaries, whether they're kids or somebody else. And I'll say, do you get along with your beneficiaries? Do they get along with each other? Do we have any drug or alcohol issues? Do we have any financial issues where the beneficiary can't manage money? Mm -hmm. If that's the case, maybe we don't want to put that person in charge of other people's money. So for example, if they're administering the probate and they're not good with financial affairs, not the best person to be naming. So we have Mm -hmm. to consider all of those things when drafting the estate plan and foresee issues that may come up and draft around it. Okay. Interesting. So what else do people need to be aware of with when they're thinking about this with real estate and, and probate and 
So if you own real estate, whether it's individually or not, I would always recommend that you have an estate plan. Once you reach the age of 18, you need an estate plan. It may not be very complicated, but you need some form of an estate plan. Even if you don't have many assets, estate planning isn't just about what happens when I die. It's also about what happens if while I'm still alive, I can't make decisions for myself. So we address a multitude of factors. So real estate ownership tends to be the driving factor for people to come in our office, but it shouldn't be the only factor for them to want to do estate planning. But real estate ownership, as we mentioned, triggers probate if you own it in your name alone. So for sure, if you have real estate, that should be the first thing you think about the moment you buy the house is now I need to protect it. Mm -hmm. So I, people are probably thinking right now, well, we could just can we just go online and print out a couple forms and make a will and you know how hard it could it be do we need to hire someone like molly what, what would you say to that <laughs> so they're right you can go online and print out a document and not hire me and you can spend 300 bucks on a form will i would never ever recommend that i would actually recommend that you have no estate plan versus having these documents mm. from online and part of the reason why is if you have no estate plan we have those intestacy rules in place and they're very clear on what is to happen so if there's no estate plan we have some some rules on where the assets are going to go who's going to be in charge if you print off a will online or any document you have no idea what you're getting and estate planning is governed state by state. So you may be getting a will that was a form done for Minnesota law when you're living here in Colorado and you potentially may not know that. So you oh. might be creating more issues on the back end than you would be if you just had no plan at all. Interesting, because I've heard about people writing up the will on the back of a napkin right, type right. thing. and. We just had a case Probably a few years idea. ago that uh, she printed off an online will and she forgot to fill in who the beneficiary was on the form. So her will said, I leave everything to my in capitals beneficiary. And you better believe everyone is fighting over who that was, what that meant. Oh man. She would have been better I, off without yeah. a will. <laughs> I imagine that was ugly. It was not pretty. It was not pretty. Yeah. Well, so if someone's watching this and they uh, feel like they want to talk about an estate plan or get something going, how would they contact you or what's the first step? So they would call my office. Um, we're, we have a website online. Again, it's Miller and Steyert. My phone number is 303-798-2525. And you would call my office to set up a consultation. I do charge hourly for the consultations, but at the end of the consultation, we have formulated an entire estate plan. No pressure to move forward or not, but at least you know the options available mm -hmm. and we can formulate what that looks like. Really good idea. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks for being on the show today. And we have, you. as you might know, we have a few questions we like to ask all of our guests to wrap up the podcast. Okay. Um, so the first one is, what's your favorite place to go in Colorado? My favorite place is Netherland, Colorado. And people think I'm crazy because there's not a lot in Netherland, but mm -hmm. there's a little barbecue place up there. I couldn't even tell you the name. I just know where it is. I don't even know the name. Uh, but we like going up there in the fall and having a little bit of barbecue. I'll have to check that out. My son and I went backpacking by Eldora oh, sure. um, last summer. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, so we were in Netherlands briefly just before we went up there. Well, you should check out the barbecue place. It's pretty good. I'll have to check it out for sure. Um, my next question is, do you have a book you would recommend to our audience? You know, unfortunately, I lost the hobby of reading for fun in law school. So mainly what I read now is the news. So I would just encourage people to, to keep up with the news and what's going on in the world. And reading is the best way to do that. Okay, so not estate planning for dummies? Oh Nothing my goodness, like I've that. been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then um, my final question is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
If I could have any superpower, of course I'm an estate planner and half of the time when we get documents, not the ones that I've drafted, but half the time when we get documents, we don't know the intention of the person who died. So I would love the superpower of being able to talk to the dead so I could figure out what exactly did you want. I think it would avoid a lot of litigation for families in the future. Probably so. Yes. You'd probably be a very good estate planning attorney. Well, not no that you, question. Not that, not that you aren't. <laughs> it make me even <laughs> but better. It make you even better. Yes. So that, that'd be really neat. Okay, well, thank you for being on the show, Molly. Thank you, Arch. I really, really it. appreciate it. That was some valuable information for our listeners. Thank so, you. Um, well, once again, my name is RJ Baxter, realestatetaughtdenver.com, and this is Molly Zwerdlinger. And we appreciate you listening to the show today. You guys have a great rest of your day.